Roadshow episode number 310. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me here at the Casa de Cold Coffee. The expansive grounds are just yes. getting bathed in the sun on this beautiful <laughs> Thursday afternoon here in Las Vegas. I can see the planters outside that the, the gardeners have been tending to. The, the petals are opening up <laughs> as, as spring rolls in. The palm trees have finally been taken care of. Oh, y'all, they've been trimmed back. They look really nice, actually. Yeah, they've uh, The palm trees look good. That gardener finally got off his butt. He and got working, He finally huh? showed up. He finally showed up. Um, I'm a little worried, though, because the, the one on the right side, it's starting to grow up towards like the power lines. Right. At some point, I think that's going to be an issue. Oh, it's getting awfully close to the power lines. It is lines. getting awfully close. You know, and it's funny, um, before they trimmed, like, I liked how some of them, uh, the palms had sort of like arched over. So I, I would put a little chair in it. It was like a nice little shaded hammock. Right. And then when they went and cleared it out, that's kind of gone now. And I was like, damn, I shouldn't have had them come come trim them but Gardner um, got a little aggressive he got man. a little he was aggressive. trying to get a little Christmas bonus this year but, uh, you know? but yeah it's good but yeah I mean oh man it's 68 degrees right now the sun is is shining it feels so good you of course got shorts on but that would happen even if it was 20 <laughs> degrees that, outside that doesn't give you any indication yeah. at all of the weather but it is it is about that time it is it is getting that weather now uh, it is beautiful here at the expansive grounds of the Casa cold coffee now I will say while your staff here at the Expansive Grounds always does a fantastic job, Cold Coffee, and I'm not trying to get any of the hardworking people here on the estate in trouble, I will say uh, the, the the guy that you've put in charge of beverage stocking has has failed this week. We have we, we have obviously not paid much attention to what's going on in the refrigerator. We haven't because we are down to the to the end basically. This is. Yeah. This is the scraps, and I, I'm just—I don't—I don't—I don't mean to be rude to the fine folks of the Taiwan Beer Taiwan Company. Taiwan Beer Company. I really don't. I'm sure. I'm sure they're fine folks over there, but we are here with the sweet touch lychee fruit. Yes, or lychee, or lychee, depending on where you are. Some places in that's the world. What, that's what. We're, that's what we're. That's what we're drinking right now, and it's a and couple it's of grown ass men. Pretty pink and white. Uh, Beer can. A couple of grown ass men talking about cage fighting <laughs> with sweet touch. Drinking some sweet touch lychee. <laughs> it's three point five percent. Is that good? Not no. That's not even like a like a, 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 like a Kerr's light comes in around four two. Oh, does it? I mean, this is this is water. Oh yeah, flavored this, water. This double IPA. I, I had one last hop rising tropical double IPA. It's nine percent. So I oh I guess it's a good bit stronger. <laughs> well, hey, you know. I'll have to get on them and 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 really sort of lay into them and tell them, you know, that yeah. I'd while this is good for a change, we we can't have this as the as the last bit. I I, was I mean, there is bottles of whiskey, but oh, we don't we really want to crack those open too. Do, I guess. You want to? Well, we can we can have a shot. We'll see. One happens. of the breaks. We get we'll to see. A break. I, t- I was I was going to address your staff directly, but I know that you've coached them not to make eye contact with any of the guests <laughs> I was, here. So I was they, like, please, please, just they were they were turning away and hide. <laughs> Turn your backs and hide, folks. Oh, man. All right, let's talk about Look, USC 259, Blahovich versus Adesanya. It is a big fight week. Uh, Three title fights uh, in the uh, featured bouts of this pay-per-view, and then just a stacked lineup from top to bottom. We actually just wrapped up at the press conference over at the UFC Apex. Um, You know what's weird? 
uh, I know we've been doing this pandemic era MMA stuff for quite a while, uh, but the press conference felt a little low energy to me today. I, I don't know yeah. if it's just what's going on in there, the fact that there's not many media, or I, I don't know. I haven't done a lot of these because you guys have done a couple press conferences. I feel like I've missed a couple of them because I've been gone doing like CFFC duties. Only maybe one. Only, but how many have we done? I don't know what it was. Only like one. Maybe it's just because is that the only? There's only been one other. Was I the Cormier one? Only been one? like the that one. I missed that one. Yeah, because it, it felt to me like I hadn't done one of these, which seems crazy to me. Um, but it did. Fe- I gotta admit, it felt flat to me in there, and and through and and, I, and it wasn't the fighters' fault. I mean, yeah. maybe it was our fault as media. Maybe the questions sucked. I, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, it could be. Yeah, I definitely don't think it was the fighters' fault. It's not like they have to to fake bring heat or anything. Right. But it was. There was a smaller media. Uh, cartel there but also too you know it's funny because uh to, to go behind the curtain sure um there's morgan and then there's oscar and then there's jose and there were other medias but they kind of you guys kind of powwow and you're like i'm gonna i'll take these fighters and so and so it's like i'll take these fighters and this and this that way we make sure everybody gets covered that right away sure everybody's covered yep. but normally a, each person would kind of just be like i'm just gonna work the floor so right. you might ask multiple questions to multiple other ones so you asked your questions to Dana and and then the like the the main event fight, but then you didn't touch the other two fights. Right. So part of that, and that was the same thing for like Jose and for Oscar. So normally you said a three would ask probably twice as many, twice more questions. Yeah. So like after it got through you guys, I was standing there like, holy shit! Like if nobody else asks question, like we're going to be done. done really, really quickly. But you're right; it did kind of you feel know a it's, little flat. No, just, you're right. You know, and you know what? We did that to kind of spread things out a little bit, just to make sure everybody's covered. To I make mean, sure everybody's covered, and also like sometimes I feel like I'm asking questions for so long. I mean, I still ask like eight questions. I asked Yon three. I asked Izzy three. I asked Dana two. So I'm asking eight questions to kick right. off the press conference. And I would just sit that. To be honest with you, I'd go through all six fighters. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I always am like really self conscious that like, oh god, here's more. And I do. And you know what? And, and this is probably me watching social media when I shouldn't. Um, you know, and I'll get the criticism like Jesus Christ, let other people ask a question. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I get a little self conscious that like, yeah, maybe I'm being selfish with the mic and other people need yeah. to ask more questions. But you're right. Once you get through, it, well, it, I think it. We, the, it just, I don't it see what tailed off real quick. It tailed off really, really quick because then some of the others were like, oh. I guess we have to ask something, you know, and so they would sort of – I would think in those instances, especially like today, I would be fine. I would have been fine if you guys would have doubled back in. Like let them do around. the thing and then you come back in, especially if there wasn't a lot of others. But um, people did. I mean, others asked questions. So it wasn't like it just went and we were done after you three asked the, the whatever. Right. But in general, um, to you know, and this is not fighter's fault, the only bit of any sort of like – quasi heat that never really that just simmered was the fact of Jan trying to tease Aljo a little bit Aljo but with the translation they have to there, go through Sayat who's his yeah, manager just, to tra- it, it dies it dies in translation it's kind of comical but it doesn't quite it doesn't work yep. you know as much as he's like I'm talking I'm talking I'm looking at you then I'm gonna look at my translator as he says it and then I'm gonna try to find a spot to look back at you and it's like it lost all sort of heat so like, everybody was just very respectful um, so it didn't have that sort of, um, oh, I can't wait till somebody puts a burn. Like Izzy didn't say one sort of like, ooh, in your face burn. Like I was half expecting him to say right. something, but I mean, Jan's never carried himself in a way to talk shit. So it's like, 
Yeah, what do you say? Are to you that gonna guy? are you gonna be the guy that just talks shit to talk shit? You know, and that doesn't seem like that's Izzy's mo either. You know, like if his opponent says something, he'll be more than happy to tee off and do whatever. But none of that played out. Jan's not the type of guy to do it. So there's one out of three. And Amanda never talks trash. Right. And, and how are you going to talk trash to her? Like, yeah. oh, this fake-ass two-division champ. Yeah, she's you, never beaten anybody. Like, what? what? I, bet you, I bet you are terrible at getting up in the morning to take care of your kid. <laughs> you know, it's like there was nothing you could say to her. Yeah. She, I mean, uh She's and it's go. not like it's she's not like go. Megan was going to say anything anyways. Um, yeah, she's not a trash talker anyway. She's not a big trash talker either. But even if so. you were a trash talker, how do you trash talk Nunes? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, go. <laughs> and, and maybe it's just the fact that we're looking at, you know, so you guys are up there saying like, hey, this could be possibly maybe one of the best cards that plays out in 2021. Yeah. And this is the press conference associated with it. But when you think in those terms, it feels very – it felt very small. I, that's and what un, I was thinking maybe un, that has to do with like, too. Like when you, when you you know, juxtapose it against the fact that this is like the biggest card. Yeah. And then you it, don't it could have – It could be one of the biggest cards. Maybe not in terms of the, how it overall does, but very rare – I mean, it's been a while since the UFC's put two title fights, it feels like. But to put three on the yeah. card – it's been it's been a long time. Plus so. plus deep plus deep prelims, right? Solid main card. I mean, it's just a big one. But yeah, and I, I, so that I don't know. I, I don't want to sit here and complain. And and I I just it just it felt a little flat to me in there. And I don't know exactly how to tie it all together. But I'm still excited about the card, man. I really yeah. am still excited about the yeah. card. I did want to say a I couple- was excited. It's still even just to see them all in a room. That's the first time we've seen that many people. And we didn't do one person at a table. Right. Then he leaves. And then another. And everybody yeah. was like, why can't we just all get him in a room? Here it was. Yeah. Here's what they were asking for. This is what everybody been saying. Please let them be in the same room so they could look at each other, so that they could be there, so we could see how everybody reacts. Even there was some funny seeing Izzy's face reacting to like the mouse comment that Peter Jan made, right. you know, or whatever. So like that was awesome. So there was that whole thing that was very different than some of the other things that we saw. So by the way, that aspect was kind of cool. Should say we did have the top six fighters on there from USC two fifty nine. We were supposed to have oh, yes. Leon Edwards and Bilal Muhammad who headline next week's event. We find out as we get there, oh by the way, they're not gonna be there. We were asked, you know, hey, what's going on? We were told, hey, Dana will address it right off the top, but uh, they will not be here. Dana says, listen, COVID-19 protocol is preventing them from being a part of this press conference, but don't worry, the, the fight is still, still fine. Now, I got to say. Thank goodness. Oh, well. I, I when did Bilal fight? I don't know that I, I. That was like so recent, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, so here's the thing is that one of my questions for Leon was going to be, hey, you know, as you're sitting here right now, you know, does this feel real? Like, are you finally back? Or <laughs> you're gonna you know, jinx it? Or do you have to wait until next Saturday for it to feel real? That was gonna be my question, and and the dude didn't even show up. So I, I tell you what, I mean, I know Dana's saying it's fine. Don't worry, everything is good. Mm-hmm. But Leon just seems snake bit right now, man. I'm I'm worried. I'm worried that there's still a week and it's not gonna come together. Let's let's just not even put that. Out knock on universe. wood. I'm not knock, knocking on wood from that would that would probably have been. Um, a possibility not that Bilal talks a lot of shit, but Bilal is quick witted as well. But Leon is never afraid to talk shit. Right. That could have brought a little spark. Oh, yeah, yeah. That could have brought a, that could have brought some spark to it. Um so maybe that was it. Maybe just also coming in and immediately having that just thrown at you was just like, uh, another what else can happen? What else can happen? Every fight week that we've had recently, there's always been there's something. something. There's always something, something that's happened. I mean, I guess that's the nature of where we are in the terms of 
we are still in this middle of this this pandemic or hopefully towards the end part you know let's not even say middle anymore let's just say we're towards the hopefully the 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 last portion that hopefully the later third part of of it so we've been dealing with this so often so many random stuff fights being called off i hope they just kind of got all their ducks in a row but yeah for this to happen again it was just like not again you know but at least it seems everything's still good with the fight it's just a matter of them just putting their ducks in a row and and making sure that everything's good with the the covid protocols or whatever no doubt but proud to announce by the way i am now fully vaccinated i got my second shot a couple days ago uh so just for anybody that's out there thinking about it or concerned about it or whatever uh i got the pfizer version was the one i was given i wasn't given a choice by the way you just take what they (laughs) give you uh but i had no adverse reaction whatsoever the second shot in fact even uh hurt my arm less than the first one did so i mean if you're thinking about it or concerned or worried about what the experience is like i guess i'll just tell you like for me from my point of view you know, my arm hurt a little bit on the first one, but that was it. It just my arm hurt a little bit. The second one. you saw. Yeah, exactly. The second one, my arm didn't even hurt as much. And, and I really, um, I mean, I, I felt a little fatigue maybe over the last couple, you know, day or so. But at the same time, like, I'm always fatigued on fight week. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just, it's fight all, week, you know. Fight week's long, long hours. Is, yeah, which is every week now. So, yeah. I don't really feel that much more tired. But anyway, so uh, go out there and get in. Well, right. good job. Congratulations. Thanks. So, I'm I just encouraging everybody to get out there. Yeah, you got I your first, first one on the same Tuesday, day, right? On Tuesday. So, yeah. So, uh, next three weeks out, I'll get my second one. Right ahead of USC 260. Yeah. Which may or may not be in Texas now. I know. USC President Dana White revealing that, uh, listen, it, you know. Hey, my, Houston, pick up a call. Somebody's home. trying to get in touch with you. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Like, So basically, for anybody that doesn't know, Texas, my home state, uh, the governor there just decided that for whatever reason, the pandemic's over. Yeah. And he's opening up everything 100%, no more government restrictions whatsoever, and no mask mandate at all. Now, as I understand it, I don't, I don't live there anymore, but as I understand it, businesses can still institute their own policies if they want to. They can ask you to put a mask on. They yeah. can limit their own uh, you know, seating capacity and that sort of thing. But the government is not going to tell you that Who you have do to. That? So uh, I knew immediately as soon as that, that happened, I was like, oh. We going to Texas soon, yeah. and so I asked Dana about that today, and he said, "Absolutely, uh, I've already called." And but I love the way he phrased it because he's like, "Call Dallas." Dallas said no, but we're working on Houston. It's just like, uh, "Hey, Houston." Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you awake? You, what, what you got going, Houston? What you got going on? Let's let's talk. Dallas didn't hit me back, but we give Houston that call late. In the night. That's just crazy. I mean, and, and you think about it, you know, as much as you want to, even if you're there and say you you've been um, doing all the right things, following all the steps, following all the guidelines, and then for have them say, okay, well, we're gonna remove everything, um, but if you still want to do it, go ahead. I can imagine who, as a business person, because especially in Texas, I know people here are like, I've ran into people that are like, well, I'm not going to take my business to someone that asked me to wear a mask. I'm just like, bro, they're just trying to do what everybody tells them to do. Right. Like, don't hate on the business. Playing the part. Man. Some people are literally so angry and so hateful at some of these places that I can only imagine that if I was actually doing business in a place where they gave me the option to just say, screw it, uh, you're, you can have full capacity. You could do whatever. Um, you're you're free to go. Who would be the person that says, "Well, I think I probably should stick, still stick with the some maybe fifty percent," you yeah, know, man. even knowing that the the, the store That's right across the street some, or just down the just exactly down the road is going to open fully. You know that everybody's going to go there because 
it's just crazy. People aren't going to do anything unless you make them do it. Straight yeah. up. That's going to be crazy. going to be crazy. Well, I mean, that's the kind of thing. They'll just have to monitor it. I mean. But here's what I want to see. Here's what's going to be interesting about it. Is let's say we go to Texas. Let's say it's three weeks from now. Let's say they make this move. I think three weeks is a little bit of a quick turnaround. He said we we, we might do it. And listen, yeah. they did move, you know, a pay per view before from Vegas to LA in less than a week. However, yeah. that was during a different era when you didn't have all these COVID protocols and all that. Now I know because here's what I wonder. I have to believe that there would still be COVID testing for the fighters themselves. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't imagine if the commission. I, who knows? But the commission's run by the governor. So maybe they would. So I would say if the governor is like, I, no, you guys are free to go. We've opened up everything. So maybe they wouldn't test. You don't think the UFC would internally do it for its own employees and fighters? Dana Dana seems like he's like, I don't care at this point. <sighs> Boy, I don't think they're – I mean, they're making them do it now because they have to do it here because Nevada says so. Sure. But if Nevada said they didn't have to, there's no way Dana would tell I literally just said nobody it. would do something unless you make them do it. Yeah. So you might be 100% right. I mean, Dude, so if and, we go and, to Texas, it's just – it, it'd be willy nilly. And that's have the, thing, at it. the only thing that I think would maybe take a second that that which maybe wouldn't be a big deal is that um, I know right now to try to go some places with the restrictions and other stuff, you got to think of all the the uh, venue employees that are brought in to help build sure. build the the, the yeah, octagon. Yeah. You know, set everything up. They would need to have to make sure that those people were readily available and on staff. I imagine that the venues or whatever have a list of people that they could just call them right back and like, hey, oh, guys, I'm sure they're we're back in business. I'm and it, sure and they're that ready to get that's people only, working. Yeah, that's the only hiccup I would think. Because, but what I mean, about the, this? The what? octagons are already – they're on trucks. They're ready to go. Oh, yeah. You know? But what about this? Whether it be a fighter or a UFC employee or maybe even a, a, a an arena worker wouldn't work because they're already local. But, okay, how about this? A fighter or a UFC employee – Let's say they go to Texas, we're just wide open, we're not doing nothing, and they get sick, and they get real sick, right? I mean, don't you think there would be some potential legal repercussion for the UFC to be like, hold on, couldn't they sue perhaps? And again, I mean, I'm no legal expert, but it's like, you have been taking all these steps for a year to protect everyone's safety, and now all of a sudden you just go, eh, don't you think that would open them up to some, to some it could. potential legal exposure? But think about us. Every Before all these events, usually every month, what do we have to sign as well to be able an to event work the event? Agreement. We have to sign an event participation. I wouldn't be surprised if they make if they, if they they don't already, they make their employees, which would be sort of really weird to say, yeah, this is your job, but oh, by the way, will you sign this document that says that uh, we can't be held accountable that work in this stuff? Because already the internal pressures to do what you think. I mean, like, I've worked so many crazy overtime whatever hours just because you felt like you had to do right, it. Right, right. Because that's um, the culture of the company, Because that's right? the culture of the company. So most of them will want to work their butt off and want to attend or do whatever. So I could see where they would sign any particular thing, even though um, probably to have some legal grounds should something have to, you would not want to do that. Right. But there would be a there would be massive amount of pressure to sign the document or you wouldn't be able to go work the event, I would imagine. They would just tell you, well, just stay in Vegas and work the Vegas event or whatever. I mean, they have enough staff to do that, especially in terms of PR, in terms of probably operations, Operations. in terms of, um, what is it, the uniform and the people that do that, the people that handle their food stuff. I'm sure there's probably enough people that would sign off on it. But, 
you know how the UFC is that they would literally cover their butt. But you're right. I mean, and, open, and, and, and look and, fi- and listen, fighters are in the same boat because they're trying to get a paycheck, right? They right? need to get that money, so they 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 sign. And they're away. they sign the same thing. And they're I mean they're an independent and they're contractor. They, contractor. They'd sign it. They'd sign it. God, it's interesting. I just and it's weird too because like I mean I'm happy we're moving in the right direction. Like I, I've told a lot of people this man after I got my first shot, I felt this strange like psychological like uh, uptick. You know what I yeah. mean? It just like. Wow, like after a year of us just living in this stuff and being like, well, when the vaccine comes around, well, you know, finally I got the vaccine. And I was like, it just made me feel good. Like, we're moving forward. Like, we're working towards getting back. So, dude, I'm 100% like excited about the idea of let's start getting back to real life. Let's get back to what we were. But I don't know, man, just like three weeks from now to have a full arena full of people, like that just – I don't know. And, and, and How quickly did that Abu Dhabi crowd come together? Though? That was kind of really yeah, weird as well. It wasn't yeah. a full crowd, but... Yeah, at least it was like, only 2,500, but, man, if they go in... That and, came together in, like, like, a week. If they go in and <laughs> sell out, like, 17,000, and people just shoulder to shoulder, yeah. and I don't know, man. I I could see in Texas where there maybe <sighs> there would be a massive outpouring of people just to show support. I can see where if there was any state where maybe, at least the first time out, they were like... Let's go support the UFC. I bet old DT, old Don would be like, hey, let's support the UFC for them trying to push and do the right things. They're putting on an event in Texas. Let's show up and give them support. That would be a state where I could see where everybody could maybe there would be some sort of rally to attend the show. But I think anywhere else, people are still a little bit leery of going mm-hmm. places with that many people. Yeah. If, there, if there's no controls and keeping even like uh, recently they upped the amount of people that could go to the Vegas night shows so there's still decent um, distancing but I will tell you I watched that game like a couple nights ago and the crowd that was there a little bit bigger bigger um, it was so amazing to actually hear crowds to hear again. the crowd yeah. and the players thrived off of it and it was just so fun and it just felt for a minute I forgot that I was watching a game in a venue that wasn't that was under like current restrictions or whatever. Dude, it felt amazing. I'm telling you, man, that when I talk about that press conference feeling flat today, if we'd have had a crowd in there yeah. that was cheering and yep. booing, I think about like the New York crowds, obviously they're the best of all, oh, but, my gosh, but even some Vegas crazy. crowds where at least you're getting some, you know, you're getting right. some claps. They're, they're booing us for our questions. You know yeah. what I mean? Whatever, man, a little something. So I, dude, I'm excited about the, the opportunity to get them back, but a full arena three weeks from now, just, it just doesn't sound like a good idea for me. And, and I'm look, I'm not, the conspiracy guy. I'm not. Like, yeah. I've been kind of down the middle on this, and I don't want to politicize it, but it just seems like a little bit of a weird idea to yeah. do three weeks well, from at now. least you're vaccinated. So, I mean, I because that's the thing. Like, say they open it up, and you're on press row, but yeah, you yeah. have the option of wearing a mask or not. I'd wear a mask. I probably would, too, but I'd you're also, though, you're in a different but boat I feel, now as well. I feel. I mean, listen, my, my wife is diabetic, and so she's high risk. I always say, like, I don't think that my kid would get sick, but if something happened to my kid, if it turned out that, you know, he had one of these heart defects, these long-haul things that are happening, yeah. and it happened because I was being careless, I don't know how I could live with myself to think yeah. that something happened to my son. So I just want to be careful. I don't feel for my – especially now that I'm vaccinated. I mean, my wife is vaccinated now too, so I guess I can worry about that a little bit less as well. But um, but just the idea of, you know, everybody I, – I I'm not even worried so much about my own personal health. It's just – that many people being together in an enclosed environment right now just doesn't, I don't know, doesn't seem like a great can idea. I, can I make an Asian joke? I can you're do that. You're part Asian, I so know. you can do it. Mike Perry says you're good. <laughs> <laughs> you know how things, everybody always says like Asians are smaller? Yeah. Let me let me show you this. Okay. The double IPA. IPA. The double IPA. Yeah, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
little bit shorter. It's a little, a little bit smaller. smaller. I was like, I was like, is this a twelve ounce can? And I don't, I couldn't see it. It might be in some sort of like weird area, but it's three hundred and thirty milliliters. What does that say? That is in milliliters. Three hundred fifty-five millimeters. Not Mill- only millil- is it liters. a fruit beer. But you get 25 less milliliters. We're getting less. They, they Asian'd us. Oh, man. Sweet touch lychee. Just not the same. The Asian in me is very upset. We need some of that. We need to get rid of that lychee and get that latch key. You know what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> I see what you did. Ooh, this is good. It's good, though. It's good. Whoa. I mean, it does seem like I something. pretty. It does seem like something that you'd sit outside on a 70-degree mm. afternoon in the spring. They said it has lychee. Some people say lychee. It tastes like a grape with a hint of rose, and I can taste a little, like, sort of like a rose or something. But grape with a hint of rose. I like that. All right, let's talk about the face-offs today. I want mm. Two observations I wanted to make from the face-offs, because we didn't get a ton out of the out of the press conference and the quotes and that sort of thing. Uh, but I did, first of all, like what Israel Adesanya did, at least I think what he did. Uh, of course, Israel Adesanya moving up to challenge for the light heavyweight title against Jan Blachowicz. Uh, they did their face-off, as you typically do. Uh, Israel was relaxed, as you'd expect him to, a little bit of smile on his face as they faced off. And then they do the thing where they face him forward. And when they face him forward, the champions get their belts. You know, obviously you get that photo op. Mm-hmm. Jan got his belt. They handed Izzy his belt, and, and Izzy handed it right back to David Lockett from, from PR. and was like, I don't want it. And so he, he, he stood there. And, and I to me, I think that was – you know, one of those mental statements, right? Like, I'm yeah. challenging for – I'm the challenger. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going it's up right now. It's the battle for the middleweight belt. That's it. I, or I, the, the light, light heavyweight belt. belt. That's right. I don't want my middleweight belt because right. I'm not the champion right now. I'm coming in as – I think he yep. – Even though That's what he was trying to that, do. That's what I think. Even though he's the betting favorite, I think he, he is – you know, they've been pretty open about what a challenge this is, and they don't see yeah. this as some gimme fight or whatever. And they, they take it as a real challenge, and I, I agree, you know, because – I mean, it's not difficult to break this fight down if you're even a remote observer of MMA, right? Israel is obviously a better striker, craftier, great movement. His speed is going to help him. His agility, his angles, all those things are great. But at the end of the day, if Jan Blachowicz hits him with that legendary Polish power, it's lights out. I mean, Izzy ticks off every mark when it comes to skills speed everything that you could describe in what is uh the fighter that you think is going to take the outcome mm-hmm. he can almost capture it all but then there's that legendary Pol- polish power on the opposite side Change and a decent a chin yeah like jan's got a good chin he's got good durability he's got a good endurance but he has that power i mean i told myself after that last fight when he um who was it reyes i was like all right for the next fight I'm not going to doubt Jan, and this is before this. Except came they made out. the matchup without Asanya, and, the, like, and then, ah! the, but I still, but I, st- I'm uh, just like I homeward for Derek. I'm sticking to my guns, and I picked Jan. Did for you this really? I, I, I stuck with the the Polish power just because I said that I wouldn't, and I don't believe that we're going to see what we saw happen with Costa, where Costa just shut down. Mm-hmm. We saw nothing of the power. We saw nothing of him moving forward. It looked like. Just a different person. Now, if Izzy somehow just does his thing, like he, like he is a, a live-action anime show where he just controls somehow the mind of his opponent and he just wins them over to where they can't move, they can't do anything. Um, and it happens. They, uh, I forget how they say it in Naruto. You're caught in his jitsu, and then you have to break out of the jitsu. Um, that could happen, and maybe we don't see the striking, but honestly, with... with Jan, it's just we just need that one. You just need one good solid hit to hurt 
Izzy. Izzy's been so good. We saw him get hurt by Gaslam, and Gaslam was just sheer power, just sheer force, just yes. kept coming. Jan's, I think Jan hits harder. Yes. And I, he has better cardio, and he's just bigger. Yes. He's the bigger guy. I will say to that, though, when they faced off today, Izzy's a big dude. I know. When they faced off. Izzy's a big dude. I, I will say I was Holy a little cow. bit surprised at seeing the standing face. Now, Holy I will cow. say this. He also had a big puffy jacket on. Right. So, I mean, he's definitely taller than Jan. Taller than he's Jan. He's definitely taller than Jan. But as they stood just, you know, strength-wise or, or, or like, kind of thickness-wise, it did seem like, wait, you know, Adesanya is not the skinny clown. You know what I mean? No. Like, he, But he did have a big, thick, kind of, like, puffy jacket on as well. So maybe that kind of created an optical illusion. But I'll tell you what, man. I was looking at the stats for this uh, going in, the, the stat sheet the USC sends out. I was kind of interested to see this. You know, you talk about the fact that Adesanya gets hit. Uh, Blahovich in his career – the strikes absorbed per minute is 2.74. Adesanya is 2.33. It's not that far behind. You know right. what I mean? So, yeah, Adesanya's taking some shots. You know, we think of him as kind of like this slick mover, right. you know, able to to, to – to, uh, now, his striking defense rate is 65.2%. That's pretty damn strong. But he does take some shots, and he can't take shots from Jan. So I liked what he did with that belt thing. I did think it was funny too that so Dana was like, "If you cut, I don't because I know you're you know looking through your lens." I didn't, sure I didn't see, but I kind of heard a little so bit. So Dana's, Dana's like, like, "Give him his belt," him his and belt. Locke's like, "He doesn't want it." And Dana's like, "Give it to him anyway." Yeah. <laughs> like we want the picture with yeah. both guys with their belts on. So I yeah. like that part. That's one thing I took away from the face-offs. The other thing I wanted to take away from the face-offs too, because that's what's different about that. It's different than like say if it's like. Uh, well, even when Tony Ferguson brought his out for Khabib or right. whatever, I don't. I think he he put it on the ground and he left it. But it's not like Dana was like, "No, hey, pick that back up. Yeah, yeah. Pick that back up." They're like, "No, no, 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 no." Uh, like dude, this is legit. Dana wants the imagery. Remember, remember. I think about. This, I remember when they gave Ronda the belt and Ronda didn't want to touch yep. the belt and he was like, mm, take, "Yeah, take the fucking." They know what they, they know what they're doing. They, it's they all about the imagery, imagery, man. It's all yep. about the imagery. Um, the other thing, if in case anybody watched the faceoffs, and the, and the reason this stands out to me is because actually I heard somebody say it next to me. If you see Megan Anderson and Amanda Nunes face off, and you go, "Oh my god." Megan just towers over Amanda Nunes. Now, she is taller than Amanda Nunes. Yeah. There's no question. Megan's a big girl. Um, but she had on very tall heels. Yeah. Like, so if you see it and you're like, oh, my God, like there's a way bigger size yeah. than I thought. Well, if I can go off, no. the, off memory, didn't Cyborg tower over her as well? Yeah. Like, don't let that height fool you. Like, height doesn't isn't punching power. Amanda I think is Cyborg had on so, some heels, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe she did. But, yeah, Cyborg uh, – Amanda is just so strong. You know, they're going to – watch. They're going to coin the phrase mom strength after this. Ooh. You know, like people always say dad strength, dad power, you know, cowboy. What would they call cowboy after it? It was uh, whatever, after he had his oh, kid. Uh, yeah, dad, I want to say they were just saying like dad cowboy or dad strength or dad something. But watch I, – I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised to see an even more focus – Somebody that's fighting even harder now that she has a kid to take care of. So here, so Mom here's the thing. So here's the thing. We already kind of laid out why the main event is so intriguing, right? I mean, it, it is speed versus power. It is movement versus power. Um, it is a big challenge for Adesanya. I picked Adesanya, um, but I will say I, I, think I am a lot of our staff did. I'm worried about him getting clipped, but uh, I just think he's so special. Now, listen. The one that really intrigues me is. Um, is, is Peter Jan versus Aljamain Sterling? I think that's a phenomenal, you know, clash of styles. Um, I just, I, to me, I'm very intrigued by that fight. The one in the middle, the co-main event, the women's title fight. Listen, it's hard, right? I mean, we we say it all the time when you when you're talking about 
the John Jones of the world, the Demetrius Johnsons of the world, the Habib Nurmagomedovs of the world. Uh, it's hard to pick against them, right? And Amanda yeah. Nunes is right up there. But if you're looking for something, I mean, it may seem silly, but the addition of a child, while on the one hand, it it can be like kind of this galvanizing thing, right? Like now I have this, you know, this young child to fight for. And, you know, while maybe my motivation has waned a little bit because I've reached the pinnacle of the mountain, now I realize I'm trying to stack paper so yeah. that this kid right here is taken care of. So there's that. Yeah. Then there's also, as those of us are parents can tell you, the realities of what, you know, that first year or two of life is like where it's like, never sleeping for more than like two or three hours at a time you yep. know what i mean and i know nina uh Ansaroff, of course her partner uh is 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 shouldering a lot of the responsibilities as well she she took care of the physical pregnancy as well so she's the, the physicals and i'm sure she's taking a role as well but look nina's getting ready for a fight too now she's not you know getting ready for a championship fight and hers is a couple months out so i'm sure they figured out hey you yep. know i'm sure that uh, without knowing the dynamics of home i'm sure that nina was like hey champ you stay in bed, you get to sleep, yeah. I'll wake up and get the feedings tonight and all that. But we, we even this one, that actually was brought up in conversation the other day. Is she going to have a separate room for the kid sleeping? Like, this is still a very young infant baby. Um, Absolutely should. Absolutely should. I would think should. that that would probably be something they worked in. I would hope that she wouldn't just be like, oh, no, we're cool. Let's just all be in the same room because you're right. I mean, like. You want that, to as, 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 I mean, you're in love with your child yeah. and you want your family, but. But, but you got to fight at a really, really high level. And that's why I always wondered, like, because remember, because uh, uh, when it brought up in conversation, they're like, does anybody else ever really travel with the kid? And I was like, dude, Sam Alvey travels with the circus, like massive amounts of kids. And I know at, at least one time I saw um, there was a young infant that was still in like a stroller oh, or yeah. whatever. Like his kids were young. And I'm, I don't see him as being the guy that's like, Oh, I need to have a second room for oh, my kid. No. Like, no, no, he's all in. But I don't. Uh, well, when, granted, he wasn't fighting for the belt or whatever. But he just his in my mind. I just never saw him thinking like, oh yeah, we have to have separate. Like that would be stupid. Nope. But for this, I could see where there the smart decision would be like, we need to have a quiet room. Right. Have possibility, even if it's just an adjoined room where they can at least shut that middle door or something. But I don't know. I, just, I'm just you know, again, now and. I, and I hate to say that, like, hey, man, the only way Meekin Anderson's winning this fight is if she can't sleep this week because of her kid or something. You know, I'm not, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, a fight is a fight, and that's what makes it great. And and Megan's, you know, that's one of the reasons we always wanted to see this fight was because yeah. Megan is a legitimate featherweight. She does have the height. She does have the she's range. She's got great size. Like, she, she's, she is she, big for She the is big. So you're like, oh, this is – but it's just, man, when you're – you, I, I feel like you need a little bit of something extra when you're when you're facing Amanda Nunes. So I, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Like I just a second want partner yeah. to strike, <laughs> exactly. hold her down while you're hitting. <laughs> I just wonder. You know, I, I just it'd be interested to see. I mean, she looked fresh today. I didn't see her yawning or seeming out of. You know, she seemed upbeat and good. Yeah. But you know, you you just wonder. You know, did that factor in anything at all? So, um, but to me. As you said, the, the the trash talk didn't really come off the way you, you might like it to, uh, I guess. Peter Yan and, and Aljamain Sterling, I won't say they have heat, but there has been a little back and forth, right? And, you know, they've kind of had some pokes at each other in social media. And, you know, Aljamain was a little bit frustrated because this fight was supposed to happen before. And, you know, Peter Yan uh, couldn't couldn't take the fight. My understanding is the fight was never actually completely signed um, because there was a lot of, you know, kind of ha hassles and headaches and those things. But Aljamain kind of, I think, took offense and felt like he was being strung along a little bit. So there's some rivalry between the two. But to be honest, 
I don't need any of that. I I'm so intrigued by these two title fights. I as much as you know, maybe anything on the schedule right now, and, and the fact that they're on the same card has me super peaked. But Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling, I just think are 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 two of the best you know bantamweights in the world in an incredibly exciting division, and they've got that clash of styles that just made look. Jan could absolutely come in there and just piece him up on the feet. Or Sterling could get in there, create a little scramble. You know, he's not the greatest. He doesn't have the most, like, blast double takedowns or anything like that, but he creates scrambles and he gets to your back. And at that point, that's when he becomes the human backpack, the human Jansport, the human anaconda. You know, you just can't get rid of him. And that intrigues me, man. I could totally see him working to the back and uh, and choking Peter Jan out. And, and I'll be honest with you. I ended up going with Aljamain Sterling in my picks here um, because I do think that, again, he could face some real difficulties on the feet. But I think he's so adept at creating scrambles and so adept at, at maintaining that position when he gets there um, and making it dangerous for you that I could see him potentially getting his nose busted up, potentially getting bloodied a little bit or whatever and still finding a way to get to the back over the course of 25 minutes and uh and and, and getting to that choke now be careful because you don't want to wait too long i think the earlier the better because i think Jan does kind of gain steam as things wear on and he's so good at keeping the pace high and his striking output high i think that would be dangerous um but I'm super intrigued by this. I went with Sterling. How about you? I think I went with Sterling as well. I was trying to pull up the staff picks, but I want to say I went with Sterling. I think when I just looked at I believe at, this is one that you wouldn't remember. Dude, because I think anybody could flip-flop. To me, this is a 50-50 fight. Yeah, I mean, I think when I initially thought of it, it just felt like there's sometimes when you watch these guys where they just have momentum working in their favor, and I feel like Aljo's had it a couple times where it was working in his favor and then maybe something would drop out. But I just feel right now he's fighting on a different level. And when I looked at him, I just I just thought the speed and his just quickness is going to – and his just versatility was going to sort of win over it. If he makes mistakes, if he gets two – and he has a great team behind him. Um, I know some they were talking about how you know some of his training was in different areas, but ultimately he's still being led by the same people. Mm-hmm. Um he has an incredibly smart camp behind him. Um, I think the only thing that would that would really, really be a detriment to him is that if he just was one of these guys that just flies off the cuff and um, overextends himself. And th- Peter Young's the guy that you don't want to be able to do that to. Correct. You make a mistake, and you know, and, and if he hits you with some of the stuff he can hit you, he's going to hurt you. But luckily, Aljo has a decent chin on him. Um, I think he has incredible cardio, and he's just very, very versatile. Um, so I, I picked him. I, I'm not sure what the stats are. If he's the upset or the favorite, I did pick him. Um, when I thought of these three particular cards and who had the best chance uh, to upset and overtake the existing champ, in my mind, even though most people looked at Izzy and, and most of the stats are saying Izzy is uh, the favorite and all this other stuff, I still think he has a harder hump to get over to get the belt where I when I looked at Aljo and and Peter um I just felt like with Aljo's momentum that was a fight that we'd probably see an upset and so that's kind of why I went I mean it's so tough I mean it's like a fair way to think about it because with Adesanya look he's got to outstrike a guy that could put him out with one shot so that means he's got to execute he's got to be perfect right Whereas Sterling can make a couple mistakes because Jan, he can knock you out, but it's not necessarily that one hit like you're done. Right. He's gonna he's gonna hit you a lot, so you can make a mistake here and there. 
but you're, you're going to turn to the grappling. And no matter how good his striking is, your grappling is definitely better. So you've got a different avenue. So I hadn't really thought about it that way because technically – when, when you say upset, obviously Adesanya is the betting favorite. But when right. you talk about upsetting the champion and taking the belt away, right. you are right about that. As, as great as Adesanya is, his path is probably more difficult than Sterling's I is. think so. I mean, it's tough to just – I mean, I think I could see where a lot of people, they look at three title fights and they're like, oh, obviously the champ's going to hold on. But in this particular sport, there's no guarantee like that the champ is going to hold on to the belt. We've seen the belt change many, many times. And part of me just – maybe it's just the gambler side of me or whatever is like there's always got to be one. There's going to be one out of the three that drops, I think. And mm-hmm. if there's – a, in my mind, this is the best chance for it to happen, even though I'm the guy – but that I'm saying that – while I say that I'm the guy that said that Jan is going to maintain his belt, most people would say that's the one that's going to be the one that, that switches over. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with this one. I think this fight's going to be a lot of fun. I hope – it is as much fireworks as we hope and know it can be, mm-hmm. as opposed to two guys that are very aware of their opponent's skill and they're uber respectful to the point of where we don't get the action that we want because there's a lot of, you know, waiting for someone to make a mistake. I'm going to counter this. I'm going to do this, you know, and then, you know, uh, if a couple attempts don't go right to, to get takedowns, you know, all right, maybe let's go back to the striking. And then if they don't throw off, I mean, like, I I just hope that that I hope this particular fight um, with Aljo and, and Jan is what we can, what we think it can be yep. because just like when we see uh, what happened with uh, Cyril Gan and uh, Rosenstruck yeah. the other day. That did not Don't play you dare out. Wish that upon I, this fight, sir. <laughs> Don't you dare that did not wanna... play out like what we would think. So uh, you never know. And, and in a fight like this, I you just hope that we get fifty percent of what we know can happen with these two high level strikers and, and a lot of fun, but. Um, We're going to move on now so that you don't jinx this. I know. But, <laughs> but boy, how fun would Aljo be in the post-fight presser if he's able to get that belt? Oh, I fantastic. love that dude in post-fight. And, and his team as well. Yeah, And his team as well, man. They're a lot of fun. So uh, three great title fights. But I'll tell you what, the three great title fights are a big part of it. But um, I think the reason people are excited about this entire card is that there's not a lot of kind of wasted matchups or fights that you don't care a whole lot about, uh, especially on the pay-per-view before those three title fights, Drew Dober versus Islam Makhachev. Um, you know, Islam, of course, the 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 heir apparent of Habib Nurmagomedov. Not the same fighter, but you know, of that lineage, and certainly uh, somebody that Habib believes in has continued to say is going to be a future champion at some point. Uh, but I wanted to, I wanted to hear a few minutes from Drew Dober because I believe that Drew Dober, you know, six and one in his last seven, I believe, is the mark. Three straight knockout victories, flying under the radar. Um, welcomed this fight with open arms when a lot of people don't. And I think he deserves uh, some respect for doing that. So I thought it'd be fun to hear a couple of minutes of our media day discussion with uh, with Drew Dober. Well, Drew, six and one in your last seven. The one loss came to a guy that happens to be pretty pretty dang good. Um, what's what do you feel like? Where do you stay in your career? Kind of what's clicking right now? Because it's a it's a nice run of success for you. Uh, I don't obsess over those numbers. I don't obsess over the loss or the wins or, uh, I mean, this is news to me. Uh, I just enjoy every single moment that I'm in front of you guys and inside the cage and and competing. And, uh, man, I just stopped trying, Stop trying to get knockouts, Stop trying to be perfect, Stop trying to do all this stuff. And, uh, now I'm open and free to perform and, uh, knockouts are seem to be happening. Was there a moment that you realized that that's, that's what you needed to do? 
Uh, right, yeah. I had to think back of, you know, when I was competing in Muay Thai as an amateur and uh, why, you know, I was laying people out then and, and why not now. And, man, it, it somehow turned into a job in my 20s and I thought I had to suffer. And, uh, man, then the suffering showed in the cage. Uh, then I went back to just having fun and not caring about the outcome and just performing martial arts and having fun with it. And then that's when knockouts started happening. And so I had to practice the happiness, but now it's actually true coming, you know? You're in an incredibly deep division, obviously, but I mean, the, the, the numbers that you put together, the knockouts that you've done here, I mean, do you feel like maybe people aren't giving you the type of respect that, that you deserve, and would you like a little more attention to your accomplishments? Uh, I mean, I want the attention. I want the eyes. I want the excitement. I want, want to be able to be in a main event in front of, like, millions of people, and I want people to be excited about my fights. But do I expect the respect? No. Uh, I want to earn it. And with my fight with Islam Makachev, this is my opportunity to earn the respect, earn the eyes, earn the fans, and so I can showcase more in my next one. It's interesting, right, because this is the guy that it feels like nobody really wants to fight, but you seem to kind of welcome this fight. So why, why is that, that, you know, this is the kind of boogeyman that nobody wants, and you said, that's the guy, give him to me. Chasing challenges is something I've done since I got into the sport. Uh, I'm not here to have a picture-perfect record and, uh, and, and, and sneak to the title. And I, want, I chase failure, and through failure, I rise to the occasion, and I get glorious wins. And uh, I did everything I possibly could in this sport. And uh, fighting Islam Makachev is something that really excites me. It's the challenge. What do you think about him as a fighter? I mean, I think part of it is his connection to Habib, and so he's got kind of this aura about him or whatever. But, I mean, when you just look at the skills themselves, I mean, is he deserving of this hype, as some people say, future champion? I mean, technically, he's super technically sound. Um, I think he's a little bit more methodical than Khabib. Um, and so I, I could see the, where the hype and the respect comes from. Um, do I entirely believe that it's he earned it or are people giving it to him? Um, I'm not quite sure. Uh, so I get to see his temperament and his personality come weigh-ins, and then the first round of that fight, I get to see truly if he lives up to that hype. It sounds like you don't force the issue so much, but when you see this fight play out in your head, I mean, do you feel like you can get another knockout and keep the streak going, or do you feel like you got to be in for a grind? Uh, you know, I, I train for a fight of the night, but I expect a performance of the night. Uh, so in my mind, I've been willing to grind for 15 minutes or the three rounds of the fight, and uh, I get to find out if he can keep up. Last thing for me, I think anybody that knows the sport knows that this guy is dangerous, but he doesn't necessarily maybe have the name with the fans, that sort of thing. So a win here, what do you feel like you deserve? I mean, do you feel like you deserve some, some, some top names, or do you feel like this might be one where you don't jump up the rankings as much as you, as you might like to? I want bigger and better challenges. And so if I finish this fight fantastically, I would love to fight RDA as a main event this summer. You know, I, I think I'm, I'm deserving of former champions, the top guys, and, and all that stuff. And, you know, I want more eyes on my fight, so main event would be great. I want to fight more often. And so this summer, man, I'm taking no time off. And so my goal, my goal is to focus on Islam Makachev, come out of that fight unscathed, and then fight as soon as possible for somebody bigger and better. Drew, right here. Um, Daniel Cormier has said that Islam came, obviously, when he met Islam, him and Khabib came in as just technical, like technically perfect wrestlers, but now Islam has kind of become a more um, technical striker compared to Khabib. Do you agree with that assessment in terms of their actual striking? Oh, absolutely. I think if you watch Islam, I mean, he has a, a really good fundamental kickboxing. Uh, southpaw, he's quick, he's fast. I don't think he has a whole lot of uh, holes. I think he holds back because he's afraid to take, take or make mistakes. Um, and so I think he's a, overall a great martial artist. And uh, when I make him uncomfortable, I want to see what kind of mistakes he decides to make. 
And we spoke with Michael Chandler when he weighed in as a backup for the Habib Gaethje fight, and he said just when his name was po- when, when Islam was a possible opponent, his DMs blew up with people from Dagestan like saying like we're gonna kill you and all this stuff. <laughs> Did that happen to you when you signed with? Uh, oh, absolutely, and I <laughs> I absolutely love it, man. Uh, whether you want to see me win or want to see me lose, you're showing support to my cause, which is man, just, just supporting the fight. And so I think the American audience can learn a thing or two with uh, these other countries, especially Russia, and the fact they get behind their athletes wholeheartedly. And, uh, man, whether it's death, death threats or compliments, man, I absolutely love all these messages I'm getting. All right, so there he is, Drew Dober, the most the most handsome man on the USC <laughs> roster, man. Uh, he's a good dude. No, I enjoyed talking to him. I only got to do about half the media day. They had some kind of personal obligations that popped up, so I only got to do about half of it, um, but was happy that, that, again, the return of the in-person media days uh, means so much to me. And, uh, by the way, I did. it was kind of funny. I did. I, part of me wanted to run with the headline that, uh, Drew Dober says American fans should harass international athletes online. You know, the way he's like, yeah, I love it, man. They're giving me those death threats. And I just feel like the USA fans should get behind their people just like that. Like, uh, please don't encourage that. But even, <laughs> but that being said. I know what he's saying. Yeah. And he is right. Even even just in the even just at the venues or some of the other stuff. I mean, but I know we've talked about this over the years, you know, whereas the foreign fighters and the countries they come from they rally around that fighter because that fighter represents them always here while we do appreciate our our american athletes here we also really really like the foreign guys that come to fight here right so they become just as much favorites and beloved fighters for us as well as the local guys so we find ourselves rooting for them, whereas the American guys are like, dude, stop rooting for them. Root for me. Can you please tell him to die? Even though you're like, I actually really like him, you know. Um, the Olympics is probably that that one where I'm like all in America, America, screw everyone else because that's our country represent <laughs> other countries. But in MMA, I find it hard. I mean, while I'll still love and root for the, like the American guys, I love I love the foreign fighters as well. So I'm one of the ones that's like, you know, go Drew, and then like Islam, go you too. <laughs> <laughs> I know what he says. It made me, it made me crack up because I know exactly funny. what he's saying. But it, I, part of me was like, so, like, you think they should give death threats to people behind the scenes? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they should do that, Drew Dober. Uh, listen, he's got a stiff test in front of him. Islam Makachev is a legitimate fighter, um, but you know he's had some layoffs over the years, and you know maybe you can take advantage of that, catch him a little bit off guard, get a little bit of the ring rust in there. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it plays out, but that's a good fight as well. I uh, should say, by the way, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to us. Uh, for me, it's Apple Music, uh, but wherever you are, make sure that you, you're subscribed to us. If you can take the time to give us a rating, if you can review us, we appreciate all that. Tell your friends if it's a fun show that they're MMA fans, you know, should be listening to. We certainly appreciate that. And if you want to take your game up to the next level and help support the show behind the scenes, we appreciate your listens, but some financial support helps a lot as well. Patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow for as little as $3 a month. You can support us over there. Help help us take care of some of the administrative costs and other things that happen behind the scenes. Uh, there, of course, is the exclusive home of the and-a-half post-fight shows where we wrap up every single UFC event, which is pretty much every single Saturday night these days. Uh, so you get that post-fight bonus episode. 
Also, we've been kind of previewing some of my own personal interviews. Been doing a little bit more interviews now, uh, and we've been previewing them over there. So even before the the readers of MMA Junkie get to see those interviews, you do. Like this week, it was Matt Sarah, Rich Chow, Fernand Lopez. All those debuted over there well before they got to MMA Junkie. Shh, don't tell anybody about that. I'm not sure I'm allowed to do that. Uh, and then, of course, we are talking about the process of doing some live chats and video streams, all that. I think we've got the technology in place, and uh, we're going to run some tests on that real soon. So head on over there to uh, patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Speaking of, I do want to give a shout-out to Jonathan Schulman. Or is it Schulman? Schulman. I'm going with Schulman, who took the opportunity. Um, recently, Patreon enabled it to where you can uh, pay for it a year in advance. And uh, recently he did that, and he took care of it for a year. My man. Got a little, little, get, My got man. A little discount. I so saw that. You that the that's dude. our first ever annual that's subscriber. The first, that's the first ever. I mean, like, we love you, Oran. I, I know we need to get better of giving you guys more named uh, shout-outs. But I did want to do that because that he was the first person to actually uh, do the – the year one, but I love the I love the, the the commentary and the stuff that's been going back and forth, the comments between everybody um, on there. So it's been a lot of fun. So come join the party. We appreciate it. By the way, before we get back to UFC 259, I did want to talk about the big news this week: the release of Junior Dos Santos and Alistair Overeem. Crazy. Uh, big news, I will say. You know, surprising is the wrong word, but when you see, you know, it's inevitable at some point. But when you see yeah. it happen, it does take take you back a little bit. Um, I was privy to uh, some of the same information that I think uh, I saw Ariel Hawani reporting that um, with Junior Santos, it seems they were trying to line him up with Martin Tibura, uh in three weeks, and and uh, he said, "Listen, I just I can't take it on that short of notice." And they said, "Well, you know, ultimately, I think we're just going to go and have to part ways." Sounds it sounds like a raw deal, and it is. I mean, that's but to be honest with you, that's just kind of the cold nature of this business. I mean, this is the time when Dana White has made it very, very clear we need people to take fights. And and Junior was on you know a four fight losing streak mm. with with four straight stoppage losses, and um, you know they asked him to come through in a pinch, and he couldn't come through. And I think they said at that point, you know, listen, if you're if you're not if you're not willing to take these fights, you know, it's it's probably best we part ways. And it sucks. Because Junior's one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet. And I think there's still – I think he ends up somewhere, man. I really think he ends up somewhere else. I think, you know, the four straight losses don't help. Um, but when you look at the names there, Francis Ngannou, Curtis Blades, Jairzinho Rosenstrike, Ciro Gan. I mean, you're talking about the very upper echelon of the UFC's heavyweight division right now. So, um, you know, maybe he's not able to compete with the top five, six, seven guys in the world. But can he compete with number 20, number 30, you know? Yeah, I think he can. and I, So I think, you know, and I think there's some marketability factor to him as well. He's a great representation of your company. He's never going to do anything to embarrass you as an organization. Um, I think he ends up somewhere else, man. I really do. I think he's got some fighting ability left in him. Of course, those, you know, knockout losses are a little bit concerning. But, uh, you know, 37 years old, I, I think he's got a few more years left in him. So I think we'll see Junior Dos Santos resurface somewhere. Now, the Alistair Overing one, you know, I won't say surprising again. I mean, I think we were all wondering if he was going to retire. We weren't sure, right? I mean, he's he said, I wanted one more run. He lost. Um, so does that mean, you know, he comes back for one more send-off? I mean, at most, I think he had one UFC fight left. And I think he might have come back for one kind of send-off retirement fight uh, at best. Doesn't look like that'll happen. Now with him, you know, he put out a statement. I haven't been able to talk to anybody close to him. At 40 years old... I don't know if that's the end of it. It would not surprise me if that's the last we've seen of Alistair Overeem. He has really been talking about retirement. He's been making 
really nice paychecks for a long time. Yeah. I, I think he's doing okay financially. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him again. Uh, I think we'll see Junior again. But I guess what I want to say is, like, I know that everybody just kind of, you know, dropped their, their jaws and was like, I can't believe this. And it does suck. I mean, these are two guys that we've been watching fight forever. But I got to say, I wasn't necessarily surprised. It sucks, but it's the nature of the beast right now. Um, yeah. They need people to fight. And, and, you know, they're bringing in new talent all the time. In order to bring in new talent, um, you know, Dana White has said it, right? I mean, he said it. He made it clear. Like, we're going to cut 60 guys. Yeah. It, it, it just didn't shock me. Well, especially with, like, the overing, that one definitely didn't surprise me in the sense that even the buildup before that last fight, he's like, this is my last go, guys, my last time of trying to go for the title, you know. And when he took that loss, you know that he's getting paid well. And then it's like, okay, we're – we're just keeping him around just to give him an, another fight, you know, with knowing that um, they could get others to sort of fill in for a less rate or whatever. And it doesn't make it easier because, you know, you, he's such a fan favorite. But it is in the it's, it's, end of the day, it is a business. Um, it wasn't like people were clamoring to, you know, it's not like they keep buy the tickets to even show their support yeah, for a particular right? fighter. You what know? a great point. You know, it'd be one thing if they're like, dude, Great point. you know, he's losing, but he's still bringing an extra 10,000 tickets or whatever. You know, they don't have that luxury to, to so true. you know, to lean into his in his fan love, you know, from all these viewers out there. But um, JDS, yeah, that, I mean, that one, that was a little bitter because you're right. I mean, he's always been a wonderful guy to deal with during uh, fight weeks over the years. But it's tough, man. You start getting that many losses in a row. Um, when it it's makes it hard for the matchmakers to find a fight that makes sense to where, um, you know, I hate to even just try to think of the business side. You know, if they know that they're going to have to pay a decent amount, you know, you don't want to pay a decent amount and have them fighting a, a number, t whatever, unraked 20, number 20 something or a guy that's not even near the the thing because then at that point you know it's going to be dumped down to somewhere low in the prelims and i would think at least maybe even if it made it to sort of a featured the featured prelim but at that point they probably look at what they want to pay Absolutely. for an overall now card and then and now, now you you're looking budgets. at the, yeah and and it's unfortunate but it is it is unfortunately it's a it's a it is a business um it doesn't make it easier but I do hope that he, he his feet uh, land somewhere that somebody can use him. Um, might have to take a little bit of a pay hit, but um, I would hope that you know these these guys have done what they needed to do to set up um, the next stage of life in advance. Because you know, I mean, they they weren't spring chickens. I mean, they both knew that eventually, and if not somewhat soon, that the the end was coming that you would think that they were prepared. It just, you know, happened to get pushed a little bit further. But um, JDS, I think, still has some legs over him. I can imagine he has no desire to do it. You know, maybe unless it felt like even when he was saying like one last kick, run, it was maybe just a kickboxing like, fight or something yeah, yeah. or something. But. Yeah, something like that. I, but I, I agree. Like even I think even as we were talking to him, I just think it just seemed like it seemed like he was just accepting. Like yeah. He was. He was very accepting. And he this said it. It, for him to be like, this is it. And he was like, I'm good with it. Yep. I had a great career. In my mind, I knew, at least in my, I was already setting it up that if he lost the fight, that was it. Yep. I thought he would just announce and say that he was done. We didn't hear that part from him 
Um, that would have been nice if, if it would have came that way instead of being cut. Um, it would have been nice. I, I almost wish that they would have gave him that option and said, this is, this is where we're going. Um, do you, would you rather say that you're retiring or whatever and blah, 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 blah? I know. That's I mean, what, that's kind of what I thought we were. That was probably the only surprise that I thought we would get a retirement announcement. Now, I guess with this, and who knows what they worked out behind the scenes. I reached right. out – by the way, I reached out to the UFC on both of these to try to get a little – hey, tell me. I, it Nobody came – Nobody would answer me in terms of saying something. Because I thought maybe Alistair was like, hey, can you release me? Like, I, I, I know I can't compete at this level, but I would like to go out one or two. Because yeah. I was going to say, the advantage of this for Alistair is if he does want to take a kickboxing match or he fight can. somewhere else, he can. He doesn't right. have to get their permission. Whereas if he retired and then somebody said, hey, we want to put you in this special exhibition match or whatever, he'd have to go get permission. Right. So it is kind of a, a benefit. But, yeah, I was, I was a little bit nice surprised though. as well. Yeah, it would be nice if they gave him that option, let him – on paper, retire, but give him his release behind him, the scenes. Let him go out with that honor. Yeah. Let him go out with that honor. They they both deserve that sort of thing. Like I, I I just wish that in some of these cases. But obviously, uh, if they did have that decision, maybe he wasn't willing to go out and say like just to have it on record that I retired, so that he did you know shut off potential suitors or you know have to deal with the whole. Oh, you you signed another fight, but you just said that you retired. You know, maybe he just didn't want to deal with it, and he was hoping that it, deep down there is some sort of something that wants to compete. But if there possibly wasn't, which it seemed like over him that he was there, I would have just it would have been a nice gesture for that to be the way that it ended instead of getting released just like anybody else yeah, that had a else. fraction of the of the career that these guys did. Yeah, damn shame. Well, we'll see what happens to them in the next phase of their career. Uh, like I said, I think we'll at least see Junior Santos one more time. But, hey, man, this is the harsh reality of the sport, man. It does not wait around for you, man. It's a, it's a young man's game. These people that make it, in, you know, long as they do, um, they're the rarity, not the exception. So, uh, getting back to UFC 259, the main card kicks off with like, another key matchup. Tiago Mejeta Santos versus Alexander Rakic. And uh, I want to feature Alexander Rakic because I do think that this kid is dangerous. I think he is one of the future faces of the light heavyweight division. Uh, and I think this is a big matchup for him. Not to say that Mejeta can't come in and spoil all of that. Um, but it does feel like the, the momentum is on Rakic's side. And Tiago is in, I don't want to say a must-win type situation. But... Um, Man, when you think about where he was recently uh, to where he is now, man, I think this is a big moment for Mahetta, but I think he's facing an absolute stud now as Alexander Rakic. But uh, here is uh, what Rakic had to say to us at the media day. Alexander, I know you've you know had some big fights already, but uh, you know main event, that sort of thing. But this being on this massive pay-per-view, three title fights, does it feel like a, a big fight for you? Former title challenger, the third in a row, it's amazing. And fighting Thiago, it's a great opportunity to me to show the UFC that I am coming for the title. Was there any part of you, I know you would never wish anything bad on another fighter, but was there any part of you that thought, maybe I'll sneak in and fight Jan this week, something will happen to Adesanya, or maybe the card will get changed up. You know, these times are crazy right yes, now. Yes, of course. Uh, you know, I, I had it in my mind, and my coaches told me also, you know, with this COVID uh, thing you know maybe you're gonna step up and i say okay perfect i'm gonna do it you know i'm anyways i'm gonna be ready for five rounds so i did a hell of a camp and uh ready to go did you spend any part of your training kind of getting ready for yawn or no yeah we, we i mean we did uh always sometimes 
we put an extra round, you know, we nev you never know, you know. So, but then when I uh, wrote uh, on the interviews that Glover was going to be the backup, then I, I, saw, I told myself, okay, the chance is going to be very low to get a fight in a... So you talk about Mahetta, you know, former title challenger. A lot of people think he beat John Jones, but he has had two losses in a row now. So what do you make of him? Do you, do you feel like yeah. he's still that same guy that, that almost beat John Jones? Uh, yes. Santos uh, came out with the, on the, uh, uh, in the fight against Jones with two broken knees, I, I would say, you know, and he did surgery on both of those. And he did a long layoff, and I know how... How does it feel? Because I had also two knee surgeries, and I know how long does it take to heal. Not only you can be uh, 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 the, the, the physical part can get it done really early, but the mental part gonna be you know, long. And then the fight against Glover, you saw in that fight a little bit ring rust. It's still dangerous. He dropped Glover two or three times. I don't know. And then Glover finished him. And I'm expecting. Uh, now uh, uh, motivated uh, Santos because he lost the last two in a row and he's he gonna come forward with some you know capoeira things, flying knee jumps, you know. But anyways, I'm I'm ready for him. Yeah. You use the word dangerous, and I was gonna ask you. I mean, up at the top of the light heavyweight division, you guys are all monsters. But is he one of the most dangerous guys up there? Uh, I mean, everybody's dangerous. Uh, he has his. His str uh, strong sides, and he has also his weaknesses, like all of those guys has. Uh, yeah, we're gonna find out on Saturday. And I wonder, do you feel like this is a moment? I mean, I know you're, it's your career, but this feels like the light heavyweight division may be changing. You know, you look at guys like you, Prohaska, Ankalaev. Do you feel like this is kind of a moment where you're getting this switch, basically, this new generation? Absolutely, the new era is coming, and uh, we are. Those guys that you named and the other guys, you know, uh, they're like under 30 or 30. So I'm 29, and soon we are gonna take over, and 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 uh, one of those guys uh, gonna fight for the title. Last thing for me, uh, you you said you know former title challenger three in a row. I mean, you win this fight. Do you feel like people need to be talking about you as for the title next? Absolutely, absolutely. I need to make a great performance on Saturday. And like I do always, I need uh, uh, to let the UFC know that I'm coming for the title and uh, yeah, I want it so bad. There he is, Alexander Rack. Like I said, five meaningful fights, I think, in this on this pay-per-view main card, including three championship fights. By the way, you, you mentioned Paulo Costa a little bit earlier. I did want to touch base real quick on the Paulo Costa hungover in his fight with Israel Adesanya story. I do want to say, because I think a lot of people have been like saying, like, this is just absolutely made up. There's no way this dude drank a bottle of wine. I'm going to tell you right now. I think the MMA Roadshow listeners probably have some special insight into how things work on Fight Island and how the sleep schedule works and how we used to handle fight days, which was basically wake up, get smashed in the afternoon, take a nice long you know, eight-hour nap, and then wake up like it's a fresh day in the middle of the night. Um, so I honestly completely believe Paulo Costa that he couldn't sleep and decided to have a few drinks to, to try to settle down um, and didn't 
necessarily pay off for him because that's kind of the way we led our life in Abu Dhabi. Um, I have for better sleep lately, uh, rather than just alcohol, I've been trying some some CBD products, including like the CBD melatonin type blends, um, which have actually been helping me sleep a little bit more. Um, but what's crazy is in Abu Dhabi, you can't even bring CBD products over there, man. Oh, They're so anti like drug stuff, whatever. Like you can't even bring CBD products. Um, so he wouldn't have even able to bring that. I, I, I'm going to venture a guess that Paulo Costa may have smoked a little bit of Mary Jane once or twice in his life. <gasps> I uh, bet he did. But you can't bring if that over there. If he did, he should. He should have, but you can't bring that over there. Uh, so I'm going to be honest with you. Now, do I think that's the reason he lost the fight? I do not. <gasps> no. I absolutely do not. Do I believe that he did drink a bottle of wine and maybe was a little bit flat? You know, Maybe it did affect him a little bit? I do. I do. Do I believe this is something he probably should have just kept to himself? Yes. Yes, I do very much. Because I tell you what, man, and I love me some Paulo Costa, some Bohashinha. Get rid of that eraser, man. I like the Bohashinha. Yeah. I love me some Paulo Costa. And I actually believe that he drank a full bottle of wine, shouldn't have, and that he was a little bit feeling off. I do not believe it was 100% to blame for his loss to Israel Adesanya, who, oh, by the way, <coughs> happens to be pretty decent as a mixed martial artist. It's okay. Uh, and I also believe that you are not going to elicit one ounce of sympathy for yourself. You know what I mean? So, uh, oh, my man just had to hit the bottle, bro. Cut him some slack. Bro, this is the MMA road show. We are the experts of hitting the bottle. <laughs> we still can't even give you any sympathy for that, man. That is self-imposed Nobody's going to feel bad for you. So I like me some Paula Costa. I like me some Boashinia. I think he should have just kept this one to himself. He should have kept it to himself. I, I wonder if he got some bad advice from uh, some people around him, which uh, I don't know, you know, thought that that would be a, a decent way to just like, do it. Tell them, Paula. They just need to know the truth. They just need to know, you nah. know, that you weren't yourself, mm-hmm. you know. Like, yeah, something like that. You're not going to get any particular sympathy and. Yes, it, it quite possibly, maybe it is true that he did drink the bottle or whatever, but I mean, one, it's just a bottle, bro. How big is this bottle that it's going to mess you up the next day? Come on. That is true. Step your game up if, you get, if you're getting hung over after. I mean, and it was probably a skinny bottle. It was like, probably a little skinny bottle, like <laughs> skinny leg bottle. It was pretty skinny. He's like, bro, I had I had three sweet touch lychees the night before. <laughs> and I was fucking <laughs> wasted. <laughs> I had 990 milliliters of sweet lychee. Uh, but, yeah, that's the kind of shit. Just, Shout just, out to the Taiwan beer company. Just own the loss, man. Don't, don't, yeah. don't, don't throw an excuse. Even if, you, even if you weren't trying to make an excuse, even if you say, like, this is not an excuse, I'm just saying. It's like, yeah, that's still an excuse. I, just don't, uh, think, I don't think it helps you at all. It, uh, it really, really doesn't. I mean, it's, it's not like he was fighting uh, – a dietary sickness, and he's like, guys, I was shitting my brains out for for eighteen hours before the fight, might and be I sorry just for that one. that's a legit. Might reason. not want to hear it from you. A little, yeah, a little bit too much. Information. Like I hit, I hit it from the commission, you know, and I, and I, 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 you know, I was able to make it into the fight. I soiled myself in the locker room. I soiled myself. <laughs> I didn't have no draws under my under my cup. I was you know? originally supposed to be wearing white shorts, and I had to change <laughs> to the black shorts. Like there you go. Yeah, you're not gonna get sympathy from it, but whatever. Yeah, regardless, even if I it, the way that uh, that fight played out, I think even if he felt absolutely fantastic, uh, Izzy looked so good in that fight that uh, it, didn't uh, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. All right. Well, I just had to give a shout-out. I do believe his story. I don't believe that it impacted the fight. So, 
not to the point of where that would be the cause of why yeah. you lost. The Love fight. you, Paulo, but that that one's that and that that one's gonna stick with him for a long time. Now people are gonna make it, up a meme oh, about it. You it's know, just like, gonna be jokes all the time. Yeah, well, we'd have to think about it. We won't waste any more time. But somebody is gonna, if it hasn't already, the wine is gonna be the the new nickname meme for him for sure. Hundred percent. He opened that up. ESPN prelims: Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kenny. Big one there, man. Dominic Cruz. You know, does he still have it? Is he still Dominic Cruz, or has time finally caught up to him? We'll find out. I mean, future UFC Hall of Famer in the discussion for greatest bantamweight of all time, but will it catch up to him? Man, that's a big one. And Casey Kinney is no joke. He's on a little bit of a roll. Big, big prelim fight there. Kyler Phillips versus Song Yudong. A couple of studs. I think 25 and 23 years old between these two. I was a little surprised this was the matchup they made. Um, you know, two two young studs in their career. But um, it's, you know, you, you make what you can make right now, I guess. Uh, but that's that's a key fight as well between two young prospects. And then one that really stands out to me, Askar Askarov versus Joseph Benavides. Joseph Benavides, the comeback from his latest title loss, um, you know, swore to us afterwards he would fight again is openly admitting that he's never going to challenge for a title again. And, and I think that mentally that's probably the right way to approach a career. But I do, I'm so interested to see how he, how, he, how he performs here because openly saying that I know I'll never fight for a title again, but also saying I want to fight the best competition available. And Asker Askarov is an absolute stud, man. This is a monster. This is no, oh, I'm just taking fun fights now or I'm just taking names that interest yeah. me. The, Asker Askarov is a guy that has – no name value whatsoever. I mean, I know he has a lot of name value because he's got the same name twice. I, get, I mean, you know, <laughs> how you forget that? He's got real name value. But as far as the fans, they have no idea who Asker Askarov is, but he's an absolute stud. Uh, and by the way, he did an interview with us. Uh, Rizvan Magomedov was his translator, and uh, Askar's got a little swagger about him, man. We've never heard him talk before because, you know, he's he's basically deaf, um, and he, he needs a, a Russian-English translator. And so we, we haven't gotten to interview him a whole lot, but he's got a little swagger to him. Um, but this is a big fight, but I, I wanted a chance to talk to Joseph Benavides and find out where his head's at because he's still right there at the top of the division. I think he's probably right that he's not getting another title shot, but he still wants to fight the absolute best you know, competition available, which I think is such a unique position to be in. So um, I think this is a big fight for Joseph Benavides and dictates kind of where he goes for the rest of his career. Uh, and so we had a chance to catch up with him for a few minutes. Here's what, what Joe B had to say. Just the last time we saw you, obviously, it was a very, you know, emotional evening for you. Um, you know, I know it's been a lot of time since then, but give me the idea. Was it tough to, to start again, you know, to kind of get back in there and, and jump back on this grind? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, our life, I said it wasn't. I mean, I was getting fight offers, you know, I mean, not immediately after, obviously, but, you know, like earlier than this, and I just needed the time to, you know, fall in love with the sport again and, you know, um, realize, the, I guess, the kind of acceptance that, like, you know what, like, I'm, that's probably my last title fight. Like, that's not going to happen. So there's that part, and which is, you know, kind of, like, freeing in a way as well. You're just kind of like, oh, well, well, now why do I have to do this? And my first fight offers a few months after is kind of like, well, I didn't have a why. Like, why do I want to do this? Right? Like, I didn't need this. I didn't need that. And there's always, there was always a why before that. So it was just about really falling back in love with it and enjoying training before I took a fight, having enough time to like, you know, um, just enjoy even the holidays and be like, you know what? I want a two full months after, you know, just to do that and like enjoy life. So um, but also it was really about fighting still a guy at the top and Askar was the right opponent being ranked number three, the highest person I could fight, um, that's not lined up. So 
that was another reason. But yeah, it, it did. It took me a while. I mean, it was a. Uh, it was tough. It was devastating, and um, it was weird. Like the my first title fight ever was probably still my my hardest acceptance because I really had nothing to fall back on. I was so young, and that was like my whole life that, like. I didn't see it any other way. I didn't have something to fall back on. I wasn't really anywhere near like complete as a person to the point where like that was all I thought I was worth, you know, was being this and and that. And like that was where all my kind of like self-worth came from. So that was honestly still the hardest one being the first title fight. And even the second Figueredo fight was a little harder because it was annoying the way that first one ended and I couldn't control it. This one was was clean, cut and dry. Like obviously you're still like mad and like how did this happen and oh that was a weird shot shouldn't did this. But like it's normal things we deal with where like so anyway, so but the fact that it was probably my last title shot, that was kind of the hardest part and then just falling in love with the sport again and finding like hey, well now I just need to fight cuz it's fun. I'm challenging myself and proving to myself I can still fight at the top. So I need a guy at the top and NASCAR was perfect. Do you remember the moment that you, that, that was able to click for you? Because it's interesting, right? Like, it, it's got to be a bittersweet thing for you. Like, this, this sport has provided you a, a great life. You've you met, met your wife, you know, great relationships. But obviously, you've, had, you've come up short in these spots, you know what I mean? So I'm sure it's like a bittersweet thing. So do you remember the spot that you said, no, I do love this stuff, man. I'm, I'm good at it, and, and I enjoy it. Uh, it, was, it wasn't like a certain spot as much. It was just kind of like... It was just like a slowly back into it. Like, all right, I'm going to train, but like I don't feel like training for a fight. Oh, you know what? Like I really enjoyed that today. And then a lot of it was just the time too. It was like, it was like, all right, well, if I am just trying to like enjoy my life as well, like I need to fight in like March and just like spend the needed time, you know, holidays and, and all that kind of stuff. And then just the more I trained, I realized like, oh, I'm going because I like it. Like I'm not going for a fight. I'm, like, enjoying it. Um, I'm, like, very competitive in practice still every day. I'm looking forward to it. And I was, like, oh. Like, it wasn't as much as, like, there was a, oh, my God, this is so cool. Because I'm grateful, you know, every day I train and I get to. But sometimes getting in after a fight, especially after a tough loss, is it's like you're doing it because you have to. You're just kind of like, ah, got to get back to it. Embarrassed to go in the gym and it's not as fun as it is, but like I have to do it because I'll probably have a fight coming up again. I need to get paid and this and that. But this was just like I was training for fun. I realized like, oh, I'm not training for anything and I'm just enjoying it. Could probably take a fight now. Like this is this is good. This is fun. And that that was really the process. It wasn't like a light went off. I was just kind of like, all right, like this is I'm just doing it. And I don't have anything else on the mind but challenging myself, getting better and enjoying it and being grateful for the hours I get to spend doing it. So they give you Askarov. I know you're a fan of the sport. Um, yeah. But he hasn't been in the organization very long either. So, I mean, is this a guy that you had watched much of? Like when they gave you the name, were you, were you, do you know, okay, here's, here's what I'm going to be facing? Yeah, I'd seen him. I'd seen him fight before. I know he's undefeated, and I was looking at the rankings, you know, for fights. Like I said, I just want to – I've always wanted to fight the guys at the top, you know, to get to the title and in between, taking on the toughest guys, and, and that was him. And – you know, when I saw him at three, I was like, oh, that's cool, because I've seen him fight a few times, too. Um, I think we were on the last card together. I, just, I saw him fight people that, like, I watched closely, like, Tim Elliott and Brandon Moreno's fights, and he fought them on his other two fights. So I had already seen him and been a little familiar with him as well. So the fact, um, 
just the ranking, the skill set, the undefeated record was like, oh, that's the kind of guys like I want to fight. That's fun for me. Like, it's not exciting to be like, you're fighting this guy off of contenders or, you know, or that was on the Ultimate Fighter show that you coach. It's like, oh, like that's that's honestly weird. Like someone was asking me the other day about, you know, like like just compare the Canelo fight. And it's like a boxer still at the top can take this fight that no one knows or whatever. I didn't see how the fight played out, but I remember it being like, I don't know who he's fighting. And be like, that'd be more stressful, honestly, because it's a fight. Anything can happen. And we know that. And it's like, that'd be more stressful fighting like this guy's ranked number you know, 15, no one knows him. There's nothing to gain, but like, it's a fight and you could like, so just, it's just about fighting the best guys. And like I said, it hit all the marks on the date, the time, the name and everything. Canelo fight played out pretty much like you'd expect it. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, so lastly for me, what's the career path for you now? Cause I mean, as you said, this guy's a top ranked guy. He's a killer. You're saying I still want to fight the best guys available. Um, I mean, what's the career path? Like, you, you keep beating guys like this, which you're clearly capable of doing. You might back into another title <laughs> fight, not even mean to. You know, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, I kind of just let that part go, honestly. And in a way, it's weird because these are the questions I've been answering my whole career at the top. You know, it, when I when I debuted in the UFC, I was ranked number one in the world at Bantamweight behind the champion Cruz. And that was my first fight in the UFC. And now, you know, I'm number two in another division. And it's just kind of like, that's been the thing forever. And even though it's still up there and it's like, oh, I can compete. My last fight was for the title. I can compete with this, the top three, top everything. It's just, I don't know, like mentally, it's kind of just been like an acceptance. Like that was probably my last title fight that I'm going to do. And um, I don't know. So now it's just more about just the right fights, doing it for fun, taking it time by time. Like, Like every fight week offers a different experience, you know, and a different kind of adventure. And it's kind of like when I have fun in camp and I enjoy this, like I'm enjoying fight week so far, obviously it hasn't got to the the tough part and the weight cut and everything that goes with it. But like, like I'm just on a fight by fight basis, honestly, that's really it. It's just, Hey, did I enjoy that? That fight week? Was that fun for me and challenging and like kind of the benefits and the riches I get from competing? I'll do it again. If I was kind of like, oh, that was honestly just nerve-wracking. I hate cutting, like, then I don't have to. But it's just a fight-by-fight basis totally and just the right opponents. Like, I'm not in a rush now. I'm not like, oh, well, next I can fight the one guy. Then I'll see how the, the title fight plays out. I'm just kind of like, we'll see what happens. I just can take it actually fight-by-fight fight without this, like, ghost I'm always chasing, you know. And um, it's, it's, it's kind of nice. It's different. I imagine it's kind of weird because I, I guess – I don't know if other fighters think that, but there has to be a good portion of fighters that are in the UFC and know like, eh, I'm probably never going to go for a title, but this is fun, you know, and I've had my chances. I've had my opportunities, but it's kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm just fighting some dudes now. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of freeing, not thinking about anything else. Look, all this could happen. And obviously you're asking questions for it, but it's, I'm not thinking about that. Like I accepted that was probably my last title fight. Right, so there he is, good friend of the show, Joe B. Good friend of everybody. Just good dude, Joseph Benavides. Um, but I'm telling you, man, this is, I don't want to say a crossroads type position for him, but, man, you just kind of want to know where he stands from here. And, uh, you know, again, 
I would think he's at a position in his career where he could just kind of cherry pick some easier fights or tell some, you know, whatever, pick some storylines, and he's not. So, um, interesting fight for him. Amanda Limos versus Lavinia Souza is the uh, final ESPN prelim, and of course, the early fights. It gets good all the way down to here. You got Tim Elliott on the early prelims. Uh, you got Sean Brady on there, undefeated CFFC vet is on there. Rogerio Bontarine versus Kai Carr France could be a good one. Carlos Olberg is making his debut against Kennedy and Jekyll. That's a good fight. Elon Cruz versus Uros Medic. Mario Batista, Trevin Jones. I mean, there's all kinds of fights start to finish. It's going to be a fun one. We're going to have it all covered for you. And, of course, patreon.com slash cinema roadshow. Mm, for and the half. And a half. Love it. It's going to be a big fight week, man. Today may have not been the greatest press conference of all time, but we got weigh-ins in the morning. Let's keep fingers crossed that we have no – in fact, I'm not even going to say <laughs> Does it. Does not even say Just it. edit that part out. We're good. <laughs> we'll have you all covered. MMA Junkie, tune in. And then, of course, the uh, and a half over at patreon.com slash MMA Roadshow. It's going to be a big weekend. So for now, let's get going. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back.